in the end of the day, there is a joy on seeing other people having fun, being joyful too, right? There is so mm-hmm. so it, it, it's not only like this because they like hip hop is because they're gonna be bringing out that energy of happiness that will affect the entire room too. You are listening to the Music and Peacebuilding Podcast, a professional development network at musicpeacebuilding.com. Exploring intersections of peacebuilding, sacredness, community creativity, and imagination through research and story. This is the second in a three-part series exploring the book Compassionate Music Teaching by Dr. Karen Hendricks of Boston University. In this episode, we explore the magic of empathy, Afrocentric circle practices, and the infectious joy of music educator Marcus Santos. Marcus Santos is a native of Bahia, Brazil, commits his life to the study, teaching, and performance of his hometown's Afro-Brazilian music and heritage. He has performed with several world-famous artists such as the Gypsy Kings, Daniela Mercury, and the Brand New Heavies. He has been honored with the 2013 COSA Recognition Award, Outstanding Arts Performer Award by the Brazilian Immigrant Center, as well as the Outstanding Percussionist Award by the Berklee College of Music. Santos is the author of the DVD Modern Approach to Pandero. He has led workshops on Afro-Brazilian percussion and music for social change in festivals, universities, and conventions around the world. He is currently the artist director of the Grooversity Network Project. In this conversation, I invite you to listen to the laughter, joy, and the empathetic imagination of Marcus Santos. talk you refer to this musical tradition as as Bahia is the Africa outside of Africa and we're taking a, a look at African diasporas of music making can you talk about to maybe some of our listeners who don't understand the richness of Bahia traditions about why you make the statement Bahia is the Africa outside of Africa so Bahia is a state in the northeast of, of Brazil yeah and and this can this fact can be backed up by numbers and also by 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 the social environment of the state. Yeah. <laughs> so by numbers, as in uh, Bahia, it's known the state of Bahia is known to to be to have the largest amount of folks with African descent outside of Africa. So the, the, there is the, the most number of of black folks outside of Africa is in the state of Bahia. Right, so I'm talking about the state. I'm not even talking about the country, the Brazil, the country, state of Bahia, and that also can actually overnumber all countries in Africa except for Nigeria. So that's mm-hmm. that's how how much uh, uh, the, how much the African diaspora has 
impacted the, the, the overall look, physical look of folks from, from Bahia. And then I think, if I'm not wrong, I read somewhere that is over 90% uh, uh, of Bahian folks have some African descent. And so that's the number side. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. then, and then that obviously reflected too on, 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 on how, how folks behave in Bahia. So, so, so that reflects on the music. The music of Bahia is unique. It's, it's music that if you see it performed in other states in Brazil, in other cities in Brazil, uh, um, it will be because immigrated from Bahia to that place. <laughs> so Karen Hendricks talks about the power of, of your education in a circle. And I think, so But before we get to that point, I, I want to talk about what I think I understand is Samba Chihota, this idea of Samba in the round, or even the practice of Capoeira, which is also done in a round. Can you talk about uh, the power and the importance of doing things in a round in Bayean traditions. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, in, in okay, in Bahia traditions, then we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But okay, but, but to to <laughs> to get to your point, like of of maybe my classes being done sure, in a please. round, it it is started actually it, as a necessity. <laughs> to be honest mm. with you, because the, the groups were so large, there were so many students, and it's hard to see all of them. Uh, and then uh, best, the easiest way to connect with, with everybody is in a circle. <laughs> you know, you can mm. freely walk everywhere and, and check out each student at a time if, if needed to. So, so it, was, sure. it was a necessity. But, but um, yes, uh, the African, now going to the to the culture to the music styles in, in Bahia that are done in a circle. It's it's also quite interesting that a lot of them are performed with that particular formation. You can go into religious a religious setting in, in which you know there's there's music, there's uh, there's clapping, there's dancing. Uh, the, the the music and the and, and the clapping and the drumming is done by members on the circle and the dancing with will take turns with folks in the middle of of, of 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 the circle. So you have this kind of format in in a religious setting. You have mm-hmm. this kind of format in folkloric settings, as you mentioned, uh, capoeira, and then there is also uh, maculele and and so on. And and you can also see then these kinds of of circle settings in home parties. <laughs> so, okay. All of a sudden, it, oh, 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 there's a circle. Okay, all right. Well, let's let's do it. Who's, who's going to go in the middle? You know? But, uh-huh. but you know, you see that in weddings as well in, 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 the, in the US too, right? All of a sudden, mm-hmm. they break up a, a dance battle and, and we're all in a circle uh, uh, enjoying the, the, the performance. I asked Santos about Samba Gioda and the magic of the circle because one of my favorite novels explores the magic of the Bahian circle. In The Air You Breathe, novelist Francis de Pontes Pibles writes of Brazilian music in the Hora as transcending the limited egoistic eye into the connectedness of community. She writes, Even the finest instruments have shortcomings. A string can only be stretched so taut, a plank of wood carved only so thin, a sheet of metal bent only so far. 
But the music in our minds can do anything. It can hit any note, move at any speed, play as loudly or as softly as our imaginations allow. In the deepest, purest parts of our imaginations, there is no male or female, no bad or good, no villain or hero, no you nor I. There is only feeling and the exhilaration of feeling. So you were saying that the decision to put students in a circle was, was out of necessity. And uh, Karen Hendricks says, not only does, does this practice of putting students in a circle establish a sense of trust within the ensemble, but it also allows Santos to help the students understand the importance of focused behavior during rehearsal. So can you talk about like what, what else does the circle mean to you as you use it, other than it's just really easy to teach in? It happened as, as a result of, a nece- of, of the necessity of, of the best way right. of, of using the space. And then it, is, and it ended up being spectacular for all the reasons that, that, that Karen uh, outlined, as you, as you mentioned, you know. But, but it's, it's, I, I feel like it's very, very... One thing about life that I feel like is very interesting is sometimes all you, all you will have to do is, is follow your heart in a way like in, and, and feel, that, feel that intuition of the, the ancestral knowledge that we that is around us and and mm. and, and 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 let it flow it's like I'm, I'm sure if i ask you how what brought you into music it was a series of facts that happened naturally it's it wasn't something uh, uh, that you, you you was like you know what i want to be a musician and music mm-hmm. It, it, it was the energy around it and, and the series of circumstances of life that that led into that. So the the circle just felt natural and the, well, one because we needed to and and two it really feels like home. It really feels like most uh, cultural activities in 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 Brazil are mm. are done within a, a circle format. So. It, it it felt good to do it, uh, and and then now taking to 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 Karen's points, it's spectacular because it, it she mentioned so many things that I never actually realized. I did hmm. it I did it by heart, you know, and 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 it's it makes so much sense. She's so right. She's incredible, to it and, and and the way she explained. Uh, yes, the students are more engaged because there is a sense of accountability because we're looking at at everybody. So we are one team. We are, we are vibing in that kind of energy together. There is that sense of uh, belonging. There is that sense of of uh, 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 holding each other accountable. As, as as I mentioned, like there is a sense of of the the PAL system too. As in, like, I'll, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit next to Kevin because Kevin is a better player than me, so I can actually play with Kevin. I can follow Kevin. So, so there is even that level of 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 uh, uh, camaraderie that can be either Kevin next to me or mm-hmm. Kevin across the circle. So I I have access, and plus sonically, you can not only hear but you can also see the other members of the ensembles. Uh, they are playing a different instrument than, than you are, so there's even that level of connectivity in the circle. A clip from Santos's album, Batukashe, 
used with generous permission from Santos and his record label. about what are some of the major types and genres of music that you are invested in? I think I sense that you're invested in Batacara. I've heard you play a Berimbau as well. So, so can you tell us about some of the genres that you're invested in right now as a teacher? Oh, oh Kevin. Oh, this is, this is, this is a great question. Thank you. Um, I'm invested in, in definitely in the Afro-rooted music of Brazil and other countries too. So that is my bread and butter. That's what makes my heart beat, yeah. uh, beat uh, of, with happiness. And, and I, I really, I really, there's something uh, uh, magical that keeps you in, that makes you go into a trance when there is mm. drumming and voice, that rawness of calm responses of the drums, calm responses of the voices, and maybe some clapping, that super visceral uh, uh, music format. It's for some reason, I, I connect with it a lot. I, I really appreciate it. So that's what I'm mostly invested in. Uh, uh, so obviously the music of my hometown, but I also then explore with West African music, and I'm a huge fan of Afro-Cuban music. That's mm. actually what led me to the United States, was to, to get educated in, in world, Afro-world music, but especially Afro-Cuban. And, and, and this is what I'm mostly invested in these days, yeah. So one of your mission statements, if we if we move to Grooversity, is about music for social change. And one of the things that Karen picks up is that your philosophy seems to be that um, you're not you're not going after a particular social change that you want the students to do, but you're trying. What I think I understand is you're trying to set up the condition in which social change can happen for students. Oh my god! Can you talk about that? This is like. It is actually a quite uh, uh, embarrassing to follow up your remarks. It's like, you just, can we use your answer, please? <laughs> and not <laughs> no. what I'm going to say. <laughs> no, I want to hear it from, from your story as well. <laughs> yeah. So, so Grooversity then started naturally. We started writing this curriculum of, of, of for, for drumming ensembles and folks somehow heard about it and, and contacted me and it's like, hey, I'd love to have my group in my city playing this particular uh, music. And then we started developing the curriculum and spreading to, to different communities. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, wait a minute. There is, there is an opportunity here. Look, we have communities mm. in these different areas and we can always bring that uh, uh, back. Use the drumming as a catalyst to, to bring people together. But then we have this pocket of loving people. Like, what if we try to, as 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 individual communities, do something positive in in our area? And then that's when I realized really fast, uh, mental wellness has been a big thing for me for a long time. 
and and connecting to nature is another one but i realized really fast mm. that the different that might not resonate with different communities so so that's why i leave that in an organic uh, uh, approach like the, the the directors in each the university directors in each city will decide how they want their their group their community to to positively impact their community Santos credits his understanding of music for social change back to Brazilian community centers within the tradition of samba reggae. Additionally, Santos credits Rick Saunders and Somerville Public Schools with recognizing that a diverse musical offering as the first class of the school day could and should reflect the diversity of the school, enacting hospitality and belonging to each and every student. Karen Hendricks describes her deep respect for Santos's laughter, hospitality, joy, and welcome. Marcus Santos works with that flow in, in scaffolding and structuring uh, lessons, uh, working with high school students first thing in the morning when they're coming in quite sleepy, um, and can over the course of one class period move from disengagement to full-bodied engagement with drums. Um, and uh, so he focuses on expression, also on student leadership, um, and demonstrates a lot of respect for the students, um, uh, not taking for granted what they're bringing, but treating them like, um, like fellow musicers, which, and he also brings his own joy and passion to the music learning space. And he also um, talks a lot about um, having patience with himself, which I think is one way that he's able to continue to have that smiling face. Um, mm -hmm. I know for me, um, in early years of teaching, I would often get so frustrated that I'd wear myself down and I'd lose that smile. I think, I don't know any music teacher who got into music teaching for any reason other than that they loved music and they loved teaching. <laughs> um, but often that burnout starts to happen. Um, we, we, you know, you start to wear down. And I think um, uh, for, for many of us, that has come at times when we take it so personally and, and we're not as patient with ourselves as we could be. My partner right now is working on some research in uh, in uh, music trauma, music teacher trauma and burnout, and we found it's uh, in in reading that it's remarkable how many of the um, music education uh, music educators journal articles on burnout end up as checklists talking about. Well, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this, and it's all it ends up being shame at the very moment when we need support and we need to be patient with ourselves. Um, so I think um, Marcus is an excellent example of one who's learned to um, just laugh at himself and have a good time, and and so he can continue to love it day after day. Inspired by many frameworks, Santos started a multi-city drumming network called Grooversity, 
Santos encourages these groups to develop their own musical signatures that relate to their own regional context. With the flexibility of cultural collaborations, Santos described curriculum like the work of a DJ, one who mixes and layers the tracks of diverse soundscapes. So making a relation, a, a comparison to a, to a DJ, it's like it's, mm -hmm. they are, you, you start playing a track, right? And then you have a, ch a choice of bringing in the other track on, on, on your turntable or... Anyways, bringing in the, the other track, <laughs> and you can stop one. You can you can mix both. You can you can blend sixty forty percent, and and anyways, so we can do the exact same. Can have that exact same approach with the university curriculum. And then I'm a, a, a an advocate of never playing the the same music the same way. Uh, mm. So so you can within this curriculum. Uh, uh, manipulate as if you were a DJ <laughs> you're the music director as if you're a DJ mm -hmm. you can manipulate and perform a, a different way a, a different the same song in a different way every time This podcast now turns to notions of empathy. We turn back to our conversation with Karen Hendricks. So as you write about empathy, I'm, I'm really fascinated by how you write about empathy maybe being a power of imagination. And it's a power of imagination, especially in teachers, that develops our ability to read people and, and to reframe our language so that we speak in the language of the student. Can you talk about what empathy looks like when it's this power of imagination in the hands of a teacher? Without that power of imagination, uh, we have one method and we have one approach. And um, we, we may assume that that one method, one approach, you know, even if it's based on research, is the right way to do something. Um, but the moment we start to exercise empathy um, in its various ways, cognitive, affective, um, we, we start to understand where students are in every moment. And that was something Dorothy DeLay did that was remarkable, was she was able not only to have a sense of where students were with what they were comprehending, but how they were comprehending. Mm -hmm. And so she could change on a dime. And she got there because she asked so many questions, I think. Um, but I think some of the most effective teachers are those who are able to imagine what it is like to be in someone else's uh, feet, to be able to um, understand their perspective, where they're coming from, and how they're receiving what we're saying. I, I think that's what, what makes all the difference. We think about, you know, I, I mentioned Marcus Santos um, and how even in the interview with me, he changed his approach in a moment to help me grasp something. He, he was visualizing what I needed to understand, mm -hmm. uh, but then he was also considering how I was visualizing what he was saying, um, and that came with questioning. So, yeah, it hit me as I was writing um, the book. So many of the participants um, uh, were talking about 
reading the room, reading the students, and how that is a kind of literacy um, for teachers, uh, student literacy. <laughs> are we able to read and understand uh, what various students are saying to us, not necessarily with their words, but with their actions, with, with, where they're, uh, with their setbacks? Are we able to understand what that means and what they need? and then act uh, accordingly. So Karen Hendricks noted within you a particular approach to teaching that, that she identifies as being very empathetic and that you're very aware of how you need to explain something like different ways for different students wow. to help them understand something, right? And so, so she has this, this, this one example where I think she was asking you a question and, and, and then you asked her if she was a runner or something like that. And she said, well, <laughs> well, I go hiking. And so you, you immediately changed your explanation to align with hiking. And she thought that there was great wisdom in your ability to oh. switch gears that, that quickly. And, and, I wanted to ask you, you know, is that intentional or is that, is that something that you just kind of latched on about being able to explain things in different ways for students? Oh, wow. Oh, and I, once again, I'm so grateful for, for caring. Wow, this, that's mm -hmm. so nice. At the end of the day, it was just feeling, feeling the, the, the energy, feeling the environment and, mm. and, and, and try to, to adjust and go with the flow of whatever was, was happening. And treating each, treating the, the the student the way I would like to be treated, you know, <laughs> Bring, yeah. bringing to the student uh, uh, the information in the way that it it's hopefully loving and hopefully resonates. The student can connect with. It is absolutely spontaneous at at the moment. I'm, I'm hopefully I'll get the answer that I'm looking for because it's something that it resonates with the other person, but. But if, mm -hmm. but if not, then we'll, we'll, we'll have to adjust and, and, and see what, <laughs> what mm -hmm. is the path that we're going to take. Does it make sense? I'm not sure. <laughs> so, so, so it's something you just kind of feel your way through as you're working with students and you know what the students respond to. Yeah. And, but, but, but then over the years, you start understanding, like, right? Mm. You, you know, it, it's like, you start understanding, like, okay, they, everybody likes hip-hop. So if you want to get somebody, say, okay, let me rephrase. Most of my students like hip hop. <laughs> sure, so, 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 so then if you, if I want to get their attention, like, okay, let's start with hip hop. Then, then we go mm -hmm. into something a little more obscure or, 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 or something that they haven't heard before. You know, but I think that that thing that feels so natural for you is actually in many ways radical for many of us in music education. And I think this is what you were talking about when you were talking about Rick Sanders, is that most of our music education had been framed from a very white Eurocentric notion of what music was. And we haven't been able to make those connections to students' lives. And I do honor the fact that you're making those connections between hip-hop and other kinds, kinds of music. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then there is... There is a joy, right? And in the end of the days, there is a joy on seeing other people having having fun and, and being joyful too, right? There is so mm -hmm. so it, it it's not only like to because they like hip hop, it's because they're gonna be uh, uh, bringing out that 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 energy of happiness that will affect the entire room too. 
As I edit this podcast and reflect on these responses, I can sense just how difficult it is to intellectualize and reflect on our day-to-day enactment of empathy. As I reflect on this and Hendrick's writings, I hold Santos's ethic of empathy as something that is ingrained within his embodied being. What really is empathy? Is it a skill, a trait, or a moment of profound connection? Does music make us more empathetic, or does music attract empathetic people? How do we set up the conditions for empathy and social-emotional learning? If we're trying to advocate our place as music teachers by talking about how music can make us more empathetic, music can help build better citizens, as people say, Um, Mm -hmm. but instead focus on what we can do in the moment to help foster spaces where students feel safe, where they can connect with one another, then it's a much more natural, organic uh, way of of bringing those things to pass. I also think about you know the story about um, the principle that I tell in the in the book about my own principal who confessed to the students that she'd been asked to uh, mouth the words in a concert and had hated music ever since. And um, I talk a little bit there about how many of us have tried to save performances, save our programs by making music sound a certain way. Or, you know, I was, uh, I, many times I went to my administrators, to the superintendent, etc., armed with research to tell them about how music was so important. It really didn't make a difference to them in nearly the way it did when they would attend a concert and feel and experience for themselves what those mm-hmm. connections were like, what those expressions were like. And so I, I guess my focus is let's use research to help us become better teachers, more sensitive teachers. Let's use what we know from research to help us make a difference one by one with our students, as opposed to being armed with research to claim that it's that what we're doing is good and well right now. Notions of empathy or feeling into are complex. Research on parenting points to an understanding that empathy, empathic concern, and pro-social behaviors may take deeper root when we set up conditions of love, acceptance, belonging, and care within our most intimate relations. Hendricks cautions us against using research on empathy to prove the importance of music. We can, however, use research to reflect on how we set up the conditions of love, acceptance, belonging, and care, where vulnerability and empathy may flourish. Conversely, we can also ask ourselves, when do musical practices of comparison and competition raise walls to the vulnerability needed for expression and connection. Santos's care for students and his desire to open vulnerable musical spaces is expansive. Santos wants every child to have the opportunity to experience the musical interdependence that thrives on our mutual vulnerability. I feel like uh, we're 
kind of preaching to the choir. You you know, it, uh, I I I feel I feel that we could do better. As in, like, can we involve everybody uh, from everywhere into music making? Uh, and, and to 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 have this experience in which you are vulnerable, but then it's just like sports. Like your teammate will pick you up, will help you out, and you are helping out other band members. I also love the the, the clip that you showed in the TED Talk, where uh, that one girl was relating her story about not wanting to be in school, and and, and I think at first she was like, "What is this drumming stuff?" And then she she was telling her story that as she engaged herself in drumming she felt the sense of belonging and that she and that school was a place for her if i under, if i understand what she was saying right yes yes she was awesome and 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 she's she's you know when you have those down days and, and it's like mm. oh what am i doing and this and that and i just <laughs> i i think of her and, and a couple of other students that that is just like this is why you do it uh, um mm. she and and And, but with that said too, I'd like to bring light to, I failed several times uh, in not being able to reach out to, to, to some kids. I mean, talk, talking about the, the side of the kids' education, uh, you know, it's unfortunately, I, I tried and, and, and I just want to make sure that, you know, I, uh, uh, to, to leave it out there too. Like, and this, this program was, it's, it's, it's not 100% fail safe. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, there were some kids that did not uh, adapt to, uh, did, were not able to fit in a school, a, a school format, and were always causing more distraction and and, and you know, and, and not creating a, a, an environment that would be best for 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 for, for, for students to thrive. So. So yeah. I, I, I have also a share of as there are there are examples like you the one you mentioned like like Kelly I think I can say her name now she's she's older so so there are examples like Kelly but but uh, uh, I've also failed with with a few other students that had to even I wasn't able to 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 connect with and. They ended up even like leaving the school. They were not able to even stay in, in, in school and had to go to other types of schools that were more regimented, you know? Anyways, yeah. I, I want to leave that no, out I, there too. <laughs> I, I hear you. Yeah, I think, I think we all, all as teachers wish that we could impact more. I think that many of us music teachers might resonate with the vulnerability of Santos's regrets about the students we don't reach. Maybe it is the expansiveness of our empathy and care that give us a yearning to reach and impact every student. This is the place of self-care that Hendrix speaks to. When the expansiveness of our care confronts the challenge of larger systems, communities, and structures, For me, the language of peacebuilding challenges me to reach and connect, and the grace to acknowledge where I fall short. That balance is a balance of self-care that fuels our ability to wake up the next morning, once again transforming four-walled rooms into sacred sites of voice 
empathy, belonging, and care. Special thanks to Marcus Santos for his time and to the Afro-Brazil label for permissions to use tracks from his album, Batucache. Continued thanks to Dr. Karen Hendricks for her exploration into her book, Compassionate Music Teaching, published by Roman and Littlefield Press. The next and final part of this series will explore the interplay of empathy, identity, and dignity in multicultural and refugee choirs with Renee Tempe. This is the Music and Peacebuilding Podcast hosted by Kevin Shorner Johnson. At Elizabethtown College, we host a Master of Music Education with an emphasis in peacebuilding. Thinking deeply, we reclaim space for connection and care. Join us at musicpeacebuilding.com.